Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Friends, open your Bibles to John chapter 12. If you're not in a place where you have access to a traditional Bible, you can open up the YouVersion app, or it's also called the Bible app, and all the notes and scriptures, those have already been uploaded. Wherever it is that you're watching us from, I love you, and I'm so grateful that you are a part of our family. Well, happy Easter. I love Easter. I mean, for obvious reasons. I love candy. I love the little robin eggs, you know, that are like whoppers, but shaped like eggs. I love the starburst jelly beans, the candy corn, and the little candy carrots. I love caramel eggs. I love Cadbury eggs. I mean, come on, somebody. That's obviously Jesus' favorite candy. I love chocolate bunnies, and not this guy, not the cheap counterfeit hollow one. This guy just looks shady, doesn't he, with his little shifty, beady eyes. Not that guy. I'm talking about this guy, the solid one that leaves teeth marks and gives you a cavity with every bite, the dentist's best friend. Doesn't he look magnificent, majestic, almost regal? Like royal, like he should be speaking with a British accent and wearing an ascot, maybe a pocket square, and he has one hand in his pocket and just one little round eyeglass like the Monopoly guy. He looks magnificent. The chocolate bunny. It represents you with some real life decisions, doesn't it? Like, do I eat the ears first or do I eat the feet first? Now, personally, I'm an ears first guy because I'm not a sociopath. Of course, I also love peeps. I mean, the only thing better than a marshmallow is a marshmallow covered in crystallized sugar and shaped like a little bird. I mean, what would Easter be without peeps or Easter baskets? I love making Easter baskets. Like, I make them every year. I mean, minus last year. I didn't get to make them last year because of the whole pandemic thing. But every year, I try to make uh, a big, significant Easter basket for the children of our staff members. And I go over the top. I go all out. It's almost like it's a competition for me. And it starts with the centerpiece with a one-pound solid milk chocolate bunny and then I kind of surround it with all the other chocolate that I can find. I think in this year's basket, there's four chocolate bunnies. There's uh, the one pounder, and then there's the smaller one that kind of looks like his son. And then there's the one uh, that's facing forward and looks like he got picked up on a DUI. And and then there's uh, there's one that's on a stick. It's like a milk chocolate Easter bunny lollipop because why wouldn't you want a milk chocolate Easter bunny lollipop? And then I have like uh, Rolos and Kit Kats and Snickers and Milky Way and Twix. And, you know, I, I have uh, Reese's milk chocolate eggs and then Reese's white chocolate eggs. And then to fill all the air in the basket because you don't want the stuff to move around, I've got like, like Skittles and Starburst and 
jelly beans and Smarties, you know, the candy that nobody likes and they just throw away. And, you know, I, I think the kids love it, honestly, but I think the parents really hate it. But I've, I've just built this ginormous basket of hyperness. And what I love to do is when I give it to the kids, because I'd like to kind of kneel down and kind of, hey, I love you so much. Thank you. So, and I like to whisper to them, I bet you you can't eat this in the car ride on the way home. Anyway, I really love Easter, though, because it's history's greatest example of extravagant love. I want to talk about that today, because if America wants to smile again, we have to practice extravagant love. Let's pray. God, we love you. I mean, we always love you, but, you know, today, Easter, the symbol of extravagant love, your extravagant love for us, a day where you literally did the impossible, conquered death in the grave and did it for me and for my friends. I pray that our hearts would be enlightened, that they'd be enlarged, that they'd be changed, that they'd be made to be more like yours. Make us less like us and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, it feels like we live in a culture that's both desperate for love and confused about love, a culture where too many people are unable to find real love. In the words of Johnny Lee, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. I mean, we're just not finding real love. But with the problems we face with casual sex and failed marriages, kids who let down their parents and parents who failed their kids, it's more important than ever that we find a love that transcends the here and now, that we find an extravagant Love. We have to get away from this skewed thought that love is something that should be sown or shared sparingly or conditionally. I mean, far too many of us treat love like it's a non-renewable commodity. But guys, you can't run out of love. Don't hoard it. Don't hold it back. Give it away. Love with an extravagant love. By definition, extravagant means absurd. It means to lack restraint in spending or using your resources. I mean, can you imagine living and loving like that without restraint? It also means exceeding what's reasonable. I mean, come on, man. The Apostle Paul describes God like that. The book of Ephesians says God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can even ask or think. That's how God loves with an extravagant love. And Jesus said we should love each other just like he loved us, which says to me, we should love with an extravagant love. And when I think about extravagant, I think about Thanksgiving dinner, a table filled with all sorts of just-in cases, especially if you're having company. Remember when you used to be able to have company and, and you put out food that you didn't want or maybe even didn't like just in case someone else wanted it or maybe they liked it. And we start with the pre-food food, like a charcuterie board, or as my daughter Aubrey calls them, Lunchables for adults with little crackers and cheese, salami and olives, maybe some hummus on a two by four. And, and do we have the, 
the pre-food food. And when we're done with the free pre-food food, we get to the food food or the meal meal. And we put out mashed potatoes, baked potatoes, fried potatoes, sweet potatoes, scalloped potatoes, russet potatoes, Idaho potatoes, red potatoes, potato salad, potato chips. I mean, we got some potatoes, don't we? We got the carbohydrates covered. We have roasted turkey, fried turkey, smoked turkey, turkey breast, turkey slices. We make pumpkin pie, pecan pie, or for us Northerners, pecan pie, sweet potato pie, mmm, sweet potato pie. It'll make you knock your teeth out with your tongue, Shaka Khan. Apple pie, banana cream pie, coconut cream pie, chocolate pie. We have all the pie, all the food, and we eat ourselves into a food coma. We're filled to the brim. That's extravagant love. That's what I want my love to be like. I want when you've been loved by me, you've been filled to the brim because that's the love God's given to me. And if America's gonna smile again, we have got to become conduits of extravagant love. People who receive and release the love of God an extravagant love, an unconditional, absurd, without limits love that lacks restraint in spending or using its resources, which is what this Easter Sunday is all about. In an act of extravagant love, God gave an extravagant gift, his most precious commodity, Jesus, who was, interestingly, anointed for his death at a meal, a meal probably not unlike a Thanksgiving meal. And there's this interesting little piece, this little tidbit, this little fact that is so often overlooked. In fact, I think it was overlooked by just about everybody at the meal. It's in the 12th chapter of the Gospel of John. It says, six days before the Passover ceremonies began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man who he'd raised from the dead. A dinner, it was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha, she served, and Lazarus, he sat at the table with Jesus. I've read this story so many times, and you know, over the last number of weeks as I've been kind of rereading it and praying through it, I, I just had this thought, gosh, to have been a fly on the wall at that meal. Like, I wonder, I wonder if Jesus leaned over to Lazarus and said, well, friend, I'm about to go on a journey that you were on before. I'm about to go to the grave and back. You have any advice? anything that I should expect. And, and then Mary, Mary obviously knew or had at least accepted something that no one else at the meal seemed to have known or accepted because she took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. And this is the thing that a lot of us, definitely a lot of the people at that celebration, they missed because this perfume was literally the same ingredients as the ointment that you would put on someone to prepare their body for burial. So she took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She anointed Jesus with it and wiped his feet with her hair. The house, it was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who'd soon betray him, he said that perfume was worth a small fortune. I mean, of course it was. If it was the thing that you would anoint a body for burial with, it was literally the last gift that you would ever be giving to that person, that perfume, it was worth a small fortune. Some would say a year's wage. Judas said it should have been sold in the money given to the poor, not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief who was in charge of the disciples' funds and he often took some of them for his own use. But Jesus replied, bro, leave her alone. 
She did this in preparation for my burial. Jesus picked up the thing that everyone else missed. And in this act, she received his love and released hers. She'd just received her brother's life, and now she was releasing Jesus's life. A few days before, her brother would have emerged from the ground smelling like death, but because of this extravagant gift, a few days from then, Jesus would emerge from the ground smelling like this extravagant love. And the gift was criticized because of its extravagance, because it wasn't recognized for its significance. Jesus was receiving the act of extravagant love so that he could release the ultimate act of extravagant love on the cross. Jesus was literally being a conduit of extravagant love. And John says the house, it was filled with the fragrance of what? Of extravagant love. And I can't help but think that the overwhelming aroma of that extravagant love went with Jesus when he left the house. It had absorbed into his pores and was captured in his hair and in his beard. It had spread from his feet to his hands, to his face, to his neck, to anywhere and anyone he touched between that moment and the cross. I mean, I'm sure he didn't have the opportunity to bathe between that moment and the whipping, the scourging, the Via Della Rosa or the cross. I, I wonder, I wonder if Judas and the soldiers, they, they smelled it when they seized him in the garden. If, if the aroma filled the room as he stood trial before the high priest, then Herod, then Pilate. I, I wonder if the guards who punched and slapped and pulled his beard from his face later smelled their hands and unknowingly took in the smell of Mary's extravagant love. I wonder if the smell was released into the air with each crack of the whip. If each drop of his blood that hit the ground left a fragrant trail of extravagant love. If the crowds who yelled and cussed and hurled insults as he walked by and later hung on the cross encountered a waft of extravagant love. If the criminal who hung next to Jesus and asked if he'd remember him when he came into his kingdom would have received his ticket to paradise with his nostrils filled with the smell of extravagant love. I, I wonder if when the women got to the tomb and found it empty, even if they hadn't encountered the angel, would have recognized they were in the right place because the aroma of extravagant love still lingered in the tomb and its surroundings. I wonder if Mary ever could have imagined that that one act of extravagant love at a gathering of friends over a meal would be released so far and leave a remnant for so many to receive. It makes me wonder, what about you? What are you releasing? Is the, the remnant of your interaction with Jesus reverberating throughout the lives of everyone who encounters you, who interacts with you. I hope it is. I certainly hope that's true of me because I want to love with an extravagant love, an unconditional, absurd, without limits love that lacks restraint in spending or using its resources. I want an Easter love, an everlasting 
love. I want when you've been loved by me that you've been filled to the brim. And I want the same for you and the people who encounter you. But before you can release extravagant love, you've got to receive it. And so will you do that today? Because if you will, you have no idea how far the reverberations will be felt, where it'll be released, or what remnant it'll leave. Would you close your eyes? You know, salvation, it, it, it is receiving extravagant love. We live in such a culture where we feel so unlovable, where we, where we feel so unworthy, where we, we feel like people who don't deserve to receive the love of God, and quite honestly, I know I didn't, but what I love is the fact that even though I didn't receive it, before I ever loved him, he loved me with an extravagant love, a love that says there's none greater than to lay down your life for your brother. And so really all salvation is, is receiving the gift of extravagant love that when everyone else around you bugs out about it, when they try to become a buffer between you and God, like Mary in that extravagant gift, everyone else may not recognize the significance, but you do. And so today, maybe you recognize inside of you that there is this void, there is this hole that can only be filled by the extravagant love of God that is represented in Jesus. And so today, we're gonna give you the opportunity to receive his extravagant gift, Jesus, as your personal Lord and Savior. And that just means when he's your Lord, he gets the control. When he's your Savior, you recognize that he can rescue what you couldn't. It's really easy. We've made it complicated, but it's not. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus can change you, you will be saved. And so today, I wanna give you the opportunity to do both of those things, to confess that you're a sinner and to receive Jesus. You do both in one simple prayer. I'm gonna say a few lines in a prayer and then I'll pause and if you repeat those words and you mean them in your heart, then you will be rescued and you will receive his extravagant love, his extravagant gift, Jesus. And so when you say this, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner but I'm sorry, but will you forgive me? Will you come into my life? Will you make me different? Will you make me new? Will you be my Lord? We'd be my savior in Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, you've just become a part of the family of God. And I want the opportunity to welcome you to the family. And I'd sure love the opportunity to follow up with you and help you uh, in your Jesus journey. And so if you just reach out to us and message us, let us know that you made this decision. We would sure love the opportunity to connect with you and to follow up with you. But we're not done. I wonder if you're watching this and you're already part of God's family. You're my Christian brother or you're my Christian sister, but you know you're half-stepping. You know that you've received extravagant love, but you're not releasing it. Maybe the pandemic did it to you. Maybe it knocked you down a rung and you just became weary in doing good. The Bible says never become weary in doing good. So maybe if you're watching this and you say, Sean, I haven't been releasing extravagant love, but I wanna start today. I wanna pray for you. And so God, for my friends who are watching this, overwhelm us with your extravagant love. Make us conduits, God, that we would both receive and release your extravagant love. 
We love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.